Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Manish Gupta from Sonar Source. Manish, it's really nice to have you on. Good to be here, Brad. Absolutely. So tell me a bit about yourself as well as your company. So I've been a marketeer for as long as I can remember, over 20 years in B2B marketing. I led uh, several organizations, large and small, focused primarily on growing enterprise value. And more recent engagements, I uh, was running Java Global Marketing, and I was a CMO at a few companies, including Redis and uh, more recent times. That's awesome. And what is Sonar Source? What are you guys up to? What are you doing? So I joined SonarSource about five months ago as their CMO. It's really a very unique company. It's been around for about 15 years. We are serving a foundational need that all organizations that have software that they run their business on or that they use to serve their customers. On the one hand, we serve the needs of developers by making them more productive. And you can think of us as Grammarly for software programmers, where we empower them so they can be focusing on innovation, deliver better quality and higher security software. And on the other hand, with our solution, enterprises are able to improve productivity, increase retention of the developers, increase efficiency of software delivery, reduce their risks related to security flaws, and so on. So it sort of benefits and makes the developers happier. And it makes the CIOs even happier. Absolutely. I love that. So you joined the company in June of this year. What are your initial priorities and areas of focus then as you really dove into marketing here? First and foremost, it's really like to really truly understand the ethos of the company because every company is unique. The value that it brings to the audience, to the marketplace is, can be special. And particularly in the case of Sonar Source, the company was built on things that can be a little bit different than the rest of the world. This has always been an organic play, a product-led growth motion, developer-first ethos. So that was task one, is to understand the motions and what has worked to make the company as successful as it has been. The second part has been to build the foundation that includes the teams and the frameworks, whether it is a go-to-market framework with sales, whether it's demand gen framework, whether it is branding framework, product marketing, content production engine, and so on. And the third piece is establishing a cadence for some large strategic initiatives, thereby there's some predictability on what and when the output can be expected and what the benefit of those things would be. Some of these programs can be six months or longer in, in the time horizon. So what is that expectation setting and, and what's predictability for that? So those are the three things I honed in on over the last four or five months. That's awesome. Let's dive into that strategy component. So obviously you jump into marketing at an organization there's all sorts of different things that have to be done and strategic initiatives, like you mentioned, that you can start. What is your strategy as we head into next year? What are those big drivers of growth and things that you really feel are going to make an impact when it comes to marketing in terms of strategy? And go back to how differently we operate. So the marketing strategy is truly ensuring that we take advantage of what's special about the company, its product, and what it brings to the marketplace. So we try to package things that are not in your face, like many enterprise go-to-market motions can be, but really about continuing to be developer first. So the first part of a four-pronged strategy is to strengthen, have a broader and deeper engagement with the developers. So that's the strongest and the first and most important pillar of our go-forward strategy. 
The second part is to put in place a content production engine that's both original and authentic. Many a times there's a lot of fluffy pieces can be put together to engage a broad audience. Here we're trying to take a hard data, primary research based information. And given the fact that we have 6 million developers on our platform, our telemetry gives us a lot of insights into what is valuable to the audience, to the user, to the developer. And so based on that, we're trying to put into play content that truly meets the needs of this audience. The third piece is to develop account-based campaigns that are truly intent-based. And so instead of having a spray and pray strategy, we really want to be very focused on accounts. So we have over 400,000 organizations using our product, over 20,000 of which are paying customers. So how do we go and meet the needs of those organizations that can increase the value that they get from us? It's really the, the third pillar of our strategy. And the fourth one is influencing the influencers. And here the audience set is broader. It includes analysts, it includes true rainmakers in the media, and certainly within the organization that are influencing these buying and in usage decisions. So those are the four primary pillars. Nice. When we think about your audience of so developers, technical people, all that, I know that's particularly an interesting audience to market to. What does messaging look like? What does content look like for this audience? Yeah, I use the word authentic, original, and those are very deliberate terms because this audience can smell marketing from a long distance. And I think if we cannot deliver value that helps the developers improve what they're doing, improve their career trajectory, we can very surely bet that we will lose their attention in a very quickly, right? So we are developer first in everything we do, as I mentioned earlier. We want to continue to build the affinity with those developers to win their hearts and minds being successful so far, but how do we go from 6 million to 40 million to 50 million developers? How do we get them onto our platform? That's task number one. And so the messaging is all about education. It is all about how we can help them focus on interesting innovations, creative endeavors, as opposed to doing things that they absolutely dislike, which is fixing someone else's code, remediating old code. And I think our technology, because of the intelligence, because of the fact that it's able to provide short feedback loop to the developers, they get real-time view into how to fix the problems, how to make sure that the code is not messy, how to make sure it's efficient, how to make sure it's got least amount of security flaws. So all of those things enables them to do things that they can focus on, that they like to focus on. The other part that's very important in our efforts in the messaging is, can we provide them intelligent contextual education? So the task where they're in, can we give them information such that they can benefit not just in the task they're solving, but perhaps apply the same principle the next time they're writing a piece of code. So our messaging addresses their needs which helps them in their job, but also makes them a better developer throughout their career. And that's been the focus of packaging this so we can help them in the current job and help them accelerate their career trajectories. That's the messaging for the developers. Now, the other end of the spectrum is the audience we have on the enterprise side, the decision makers. A very different approach for that audience. The audience there really primarily focuses on the economic value proposition. And so the messaging there is how can we make their organizations more effective? What does the ROI look like for that investment? What's the return on the investment on the software, perhaps measured by reduction in developer attrition rate? 
So there are many different ways that we couch the savings or acceleration of time to market that can be a revenue booster, but it is all about the economic proposition to the IT decision maker. Absolutely. And then how do you have this content drive revenue? Is it just building a big audience as large as possible and then hopefully that audience converts through like a product-led growth model of a free trial or something? Or what is that path to becoming a customer look like? Most organizations struggle with that organic model. It might sound a bit cliche, but that's exactly how the company has grown. You bring value to the user. The user has a group of communities in which they talk, reside, and advocate for. And that is how the company has grown. Getting the millions of developers to use this within organizations that scale at some point, have the need to get into the enterprise portion and become paying customers. Truly, our focus is on ensuring that we can serve the needs of as wide a group of developers as we can in every community. We serve over 30 languages, platforms, and frameworks. As a result, no matter where you are building software, you can get the value of, of our platform. And so our motion is exactly that, is to bring the developers into the fold, give them the value, and as they scale within their organizations, the organizations now benefit from becoming paid customers. So it is product-led growth. We are layering in a little bit more deliberate motions on the IT decision makers to hopefully institutionalize the ubiquitous usage of our platform throughout the organization. And so that should further help accelerate the penetration. And then when it comes to this content, what platforms are you building the audience on? I imagine maybe there's developer-specific platforms. Are there any you're finding are resonating really well with your audience? We are in a very diverse set of channels, essentially trying to map to where the developers are, where they are hanging out and spending their time, what you would expect naturally, Stack Overflow, various channels in Reddit, Twitch, and many micro communities and segments. So forums, which might be specific to the Java language, to the Python language, C, C++, engaging with the developers in those micro communities has been rewarding for us, both from our ability to educate them, but also for them to get a hands-on experience so they can come on board, touch and try our technology, see the value that they can derive from it, and then hopefully become lifelong advocates for us. Absolutely. And then when it comes to demand, is that primarily inbound? Is it outbound? What sorts of channels are you using to drive demand? For us, inbound is the largest element of it. We really are trying to become and have been the destination for clean code. As a result, we attract folks because they want to learn about the value of clean code, deploy it in their day-to-day -day endeavors, and eventually convert into paid users and then paid users over time. In addition to that, we do have investments in channels. We're doing content syndication. We're doing paid search as an important part of bringing folks to the fold. And so those are layers on top of the, the inbound that we're getting. Absolutely. And then as we think about marketing and we're headed into this next year, what are those top line things that you're tracking right now? Obviously, it sounds like audience growth is a really important one. I think you mentioned certain numbers moving from here to here and all that. Well, what's important from your perspective? I think of tracking things in three dimensions. There is first just the quantity. Second is the quality. And the third is velocity. So yes, what you do to how many people with how many people does matter. So if you do a webinar and only 10 people show up, it may not be that exciting. But if you can get 
a thousand registrants and 400 of those actually show up, then you're doing really well. So for us, uh, trying to do diverse set places and activities that have an ability to touch larger volume of, let's say, eyeballs, so to say, is important. And, and we are getting that attention and that's been rewarding. On the conversion side, different channels obviously bring different values. We are spending, again, trying to be quite specific to the audience needs in these micro communities. And I say micro, but giving a keynote at Java One, it's a micro community for Java. But but if you've got six, seven hundred people in the audience, that's a nice touch point. And uh, and I think it helps uh, not only brand awareness, but we are able to get the IT decision makers in those environments as well. So it gives us an opportunity to engage with them for faster sales cycles. Absolutely. Well, any last thoughts, any advice, anything we didn't cover here as, as we're chatting and as we wrap up? Yeah, throughout our conversation, I've tried to emphasize the uniqueness of dealing with two ends of the spectrum where you've got a user at one end, has very different anticipation and expectation on what they get from your offering. And then you might have a decision maker, perhaps a very senior executive in the IT hierarchy that's looking for different. How do you balance and nuance that is where the art comes in marketing in this type of an environment. I would encourage the folks that are practicing that form in this environment to be very, very methodical, to be hyper-targeted, and to balance the needs with nuanced messaging. So would be my advice to the practitioners in this domain. Absolutely. It's great advice. Well, Vinish, it's been awesome to have you on. Thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom and insights here. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Brad. Absolutely.